Welcome to the Dynamics Hot Dish, the podcast where Ashley Steiner, Allie Nelson, and Liz McLennan dish up the latest news and insights about Dynamics and the Power Platform. Join us to explore business applications and low-code development with tips, tricks, and real-world experiences. So grab a seat at the table and let's dig in. Uh, welcome back, everyone. Um, I think that we are wrapping up our Azure DevOps topic today. Maybe I think Allie and I are still talking about that, but really excited to be back for another week um, talking about ADO, something that we are both really passionate about. Um, also want to just remind you, if you're listening in, make sure you like and subscribe on your favorite platform, whether that be Spotify, another podcast app, YouTube. Um, also follow us on social media. Find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and I think a soon to come TikTok I hear rumors about. So definitely look for us on your favorite social media um, and interact with us. We would love to hear back from everyone on episode questions, topics, things that you want to learn about, um, things that maybe we could learn about um, and then bring to you as well. So uh, make sure you're interacting with us. Um, so our wrap up on ADO Alley. Um, I think we wanted to talk about kind of best practices, things that um, can help with user adoption, challenges, lessons that we've learned um, so that maybe other people don't need to learn them. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, what do you have? Um, like, how, where do you want to get started with your kind of thoughts on best practices? Best practices are always such a huge topic of discussion, right? Because everybody has their own set of lessons learned and everybody's teams operate a little bit differently. I know in our last episode, we started to like chime in about best practices simply because as we're talking about ADO, we're thinking like, oh yeah, and that happened and you should do it this way. Um, I, you know where, when I think of best practices for ADO and user adoption, where I really start is how do you get people to actually go in and update their tasks every step of the way, right? Because oftentimes we're creating requirements and user stories as product owners or as business analysts. And then we're creating tasks for developers or developers maybe creating the tasks for their own work or, you know, functional folks, whoever it is that's actually doing the work in the system has tasks that they work off of. How do you get people to buy into putting hours on tasks or updating their tasks to say when they're active? I know that that seems to be an ongoing struggle a lot of the time. Yeah. So I've even seen people struggling. So I guess the way that I, the project teams I've been on, we've been responsible for creating our own tasks. So we yeah. go in and we pick the user stories, right? That's one of the things that I love about Agile is you get to pick your work. Um, meaning that you get to go in and of the selection of user stories that are available, you get to go pick a, now, if you're the only consultant, then it's all yours and congratulations. <laughs> um, but what I've seen is it's, it's hard sometimes to even get those functional folks to even add a task. Um, so I don't know in your usage or like how your team uses it, Ali, if the tasks are created before the fact, um, but we were having a really hard time gathering details on like what effort it actually took to do a sprint because people were not adding tasks and appropriating like, um, you know, hours to it, like how long it actually took to complete versus how long we thought it was going to take to complete things like that. And so I think, um, so for us, it was more about, Hey, we don't like, we're going to keep giving you too much work or we're not going to give you enough work. If you don't tell us what it's taking you to actually do this work or adding in the items. So 
Um, my experience is a little bit more on like a newer team where you, Ali, might be working with like more of a a, a team that's like well developed um, and kind mm -hmm. of like know how they're going to use the system and things like that. But that was one of the things is that um, we couldn't be guaranteed work as an independent consultant, which is kind of scary if we weren't accurately updating our, our tickets and things like that, or our tasks, I should say. So, yeah. So a couple things with what you just said too. number one, you learned the what's in it for me very quickly of we're not going to give you more work if we don't know where you're at. And I think that's a very classic adoption thing uh, is if you're not putting your hours in here, I'm assuming that you're overworked because you can't get them added. So therefore, I'm not going to give you any more work. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big way to get people to start using the platform in the way you want them to. Um, in addition to that, I think having some clear expectation discussions right at the beginning of a project is the way to go. We talked about this a little bit in our last episode with statuses, but I think it's important to align as a team and make sure that everybody understands what a requirement is, what a task is, what a user story is, get them to understand it, get to get each person to understand how their role fits into this and what you're expecting them to do. Um, and I think having all those conversations early on within new project teams or within new teams in general, whenever you onboard new people, it's really important to like outline this is what is expected of you. And then somebody has to hold them accountable. We're taking a quick commercial break to talk about Community Summit, the largest independent Microsoft ERP, CRM, power platform, and AI user conference on the planet which is happening in Charlotte, North Carolina from October 15th to the 20th. Why should you join thousands of Microsoft users attending? The agenda is for users by users. You will accelerate your learning with 500 plus education and training sessions. Connect with over 4,000 users sharing tips, tricks, and tutorials. Your registration includes all meals and receptions. And there's more exciting news, the new generative AI pre-conference. This is the perfect opportunity to understand where, why, and how AI, specifically generative AI via Copilot for Microsoft, should be applied to drive business results. Leverage the unmatched value of Summit North America. Visit summitna.com. That's S-U-M-M-I-T-N-A.com. We'll see you in Charlotte. Well, I think it's, I think of this story and I was thinking of it last, um, when we were recording our last podcast alley. So I even wrote down a note. It was like, I need to remember to bring this up when we talk about best practices. Um, it was about the burn down reporting. Um, mm. and we had a really hard time in the, you know, the, the, the team that I work with as a consultant, we were having a really hard time trying to figure out how the burn down report worked. And, you know, the practice director was like, I need to know you know, if we're pointing things correctly, or like, are we giving away too many points, not enough points, you know, it, it really just trying to figure that out. And it was because people weren't adding their hours to tasks and they weren't saying how much they had remaining versus how much was actually completed, things like that. And so I think it also like, so what's in it for me, but also what's in it for um, the company to be able to accurately, you know, make money, right? If they don't make money, then I don't make money. You know, they might cut people, layoffs, whatever, right? And so I think there's a part of that as well is you really want to make sure that you're providing enough feedback um, through your work in ADO to the company or to the practice directors or leads so that they can make better decisions for your projects going forward. Yeah, 
And to tie into that too, I think that it, it means a lot if leadership can take those reports that they're doing and show them to the team. Mm -hmm. So everybody understands it. I know that's how I operate. I'm totally a why person. Why do I have to do this? Show me, tell me, don't just tell me to do something. I want to understand mm -hmm. like who it's impacting if I don't, or what you're doing with that information that I'm entering. And I think that can go a long way too, is simply show your team the burn down and say like, this is what it looks like if you guys aren't putting your hours in here. It looks like we're not getting anything done. And then show them what it looks like when they are getting work done and just give that visibility because I think people tend to buy into things that they can see. And if they right. understand like how it's impacting at different levels, I think it makes a big difference. Yeah, and I think that that's where the team aspect comes in like you have to have people on a project team that care about the other project team members as well and i think that that really differentiates um you know who can work well in those environments versus who's not to say there's nothing wrong with an individual contributor i was one of those for many years as the sole crm admin um but you have to be able to care about your team members as well and if you're not keeping up and maintaining your items in ADO, it could impact especially if it there's dependencies um, and things like that, then your counterparts or developers or another functional consultant doesn't know that they can start their work because they don't know that you have finished your part that had to be done first. So I think that it also really um, building on that team aspect and really making sure that people understand how, how what you're doing can benefit the team. And something you said earlier on too about you writing your own tasks. I have been in both situations on teams where Sometimes the project team is asked to write their own tasks and sometimes the business analyst or um, product owner will write them for them. And what I've seemed to notice is that it depends really on the product knowledge of the person writing those requirements. Hmm. And I've seen it be successful both ways and I've seen it be not successful both ways. Right. So okay. again, we'll, we'll keep saying it depends on the product teams, <laughs> but I think where you really need some good task writing to know like what actual things need to occur for the build to be completed. Um, if you're expecting your team to write their own tasks, you need to have bomb requirements or user stories written. They need to be amazing and detailed and people need to understand exactly what your vision is. Otherwise the tasks they write won't align back to that user story. So, you know, you have that description, you have acceptance criteria that you can put on user stories or requirements. If that's not super clear, you know, there's a million different ways to build the same thing in the system and accomplish the same thing. And it really, you really need a good level of detail if you're relying on people to write their own tasks. And you need to be able to outline and explain why you're sizing a user story the way that you are, right? Because if I want to tie this into dynamics, right? If I say that, well, a salesperson needs a way to enter a quote and you keep it vague um, and your hours or time it's supposed to take on that isn't clear. Well, like I could go get an ISV. I could spin up a power app so they can enter their own quotes or we can just use out of the box functionality and keep it super basic. So like if you want people to write tasks, you need to be very clear with your requirements and user stories. Yeah, we actually ran into a situation like that recently, Allie, where there were not, there was not a lot of information about what we were trying to accomplish with the user story. It said, oh, the user, like as a user, I should not be able to do this after this time period. 
And it's like, okay, but how and what field and why? And, and it ended up getting kicked to the next sprint because, you know, who we assigned the task to, they're like, I just, I have no idea what I'm being asked to do. So we had to, you know, we met as a team and we're kind of like, oh, here's the additional detail that's missing from this user story so that we can actually accomplish it. And I think that that's a great point that you, um, that you said, Allie's, because first of all, project manager is not going to always be the one to be able to write those notes, right? They're the ones managing ADO from like a, um, I would say from a, well, from a PM perspective, which is, you shouldn't define something with the same words, but they're the ones like keeping the organization, making sure things are on time in the right buckets. Um, but they're not going to know the product, like, you know, a consultant, a BA, um, somebody like that would be. And so you can't necessarily just rely on them to put in the notes and information that you're expecting. Um, so it definitely is a collaborative effort um, and you can't rely on the PM to be able to add that information. Now, obviously I think a PM can help depending on their level of knowledge and expertise, but um, but I agree. I think that's such a good point, Allie, and definitely something I just recently went through. Um, so definitely still learning lessons. I feel like I learned something new with ADO every day. Yeah, and kind of piggybacking on that too, also know your team. If you have no new people, chances are you can't tell them go write your own tasks because same thing even if you have really good requirements they might think i don't know where to begin they might need a little bit of help so again collaboration mm -hmm. grab another functional or technical person on your team that can help write out those tasks or maybe your ba has really good product knowledge and can help write out those tasks as well um so know your team and i have to admit for those of you that know me I may be a little bit of a control freak at times and I'm so shocked to hear that. <laughs> and I, I like to write out my requirements. I like to have them very detailed. I like to um, have the top part be, you know, your more user story part of like why the users want it, what they're doing with it. And then I will go into technical details in it too, since I often know the mm -hmm. product well. So I'll write down like, okay, so here's the steps that I want you to go through. Here's a mock-up of what I want this to look like. Um, and a lot of times I'll build out tasks for people and just say, here's everything that I want you to do. If it's something that I'm not sure of, then what I do is I'll meet with a more technical person and say, okay, ultimately this is what we need to achieve. I'm not really sure how to get here. Can you help me? And then we'll often like work together, figure out how to do it, maybe build out tasks together. Or I might just simply say, you understand this now. It's clear to me you understand the user needs and where my vision is going and where I want you to go. Can you just build out your tasks? And they'll say, heck yeah. Mm -hmm. But again, it comes into that collaboration piece and truly just trying to understand what that requirement is in order to be able to write your tasks with it. I think training goes a lot way, a lot a long way as well. Um, you can't just expect people to know, like to what you said, Ali, how to write tasks or even how to get around the system, navigate, add in the information. Um, so I think we probably should have started all this with train your team, <laughs> right? Like make sure they know how to use ADO and they know what your expectations are. Um, you know, we talked about this when we talked about um, UAT and, and we had the change management user adoption. We kind of had a series on that um, just a couple months ago where we talked about how you can't measure if training was effective or not with user adoption because some people are just not going to use the system regardless, but you still have to offer training. Um, you can't just assume somebody's going to walk in um, and, and know how to use Azure DevOps. Um, now, if they've used another tool, there's so many out there that I think that you can kind of draw on. Um, you know, that knowledge, that previous knowledge from another system, but still, I mean, I think you've got to have some sort of 
expectation training um and just what and so what people know what the standard is well not only if you know the same product but every team uses it differently and if you have especially yeah, like true. in the consulting world for sure every project is a little bit different they're all different sizes so everything is a little bit different so anytime you're jumping on a new project too just align as a team um, or if you're coming from one company and going to another and you know Azure DevOps and you're using it in both, still take the time to work with that team and say, okay, tell me how you are using it because everybody does use it the different way. Uh, different way. So I 100% agree with you too. So that leads me kind of into a little bit different of a discussion, Ali. So from like, we're both consultants, we work, I would say more on the partner side. Um, how do you integrate ADO with working with your clients and getting your clients to start interacting with you through ADO? Oh, I like this question. And <laughs> I like it because it's a challenge. And it's worse <laughs> than trying to get people to use dynamics. <laughs> I have to say, <laughs> I, I totally don't disagree. Um, but I love that because in a way, it is kind of like dynamics where I love to start with an introduction. So this is what ADO is. We often will set it up for them or help our clients set it up because more often than not, they haven't used it before. Um, we talked about this in episode one. You probably have licenses for it already. And a lot of people don't know that. So go check it out. Um, but so we'll walk them through the setup and kind of outline how we use it. And then we just give general navigation training and saying like, here's what it is. Here's what we're going to use it for. And then again, the what's in it for me and why do I care? Right. So often I'm not going to train everybody on it. I'm going to train the people that have to know how to use it and what the expectation is on how to use it. And from the client perspective, there's really I'm not going to put a number on it because as I talk, I might think of more. I was going to say three things, but there might be more. But there's only a handful of things that I we really ask our clients to do a lot of the time. It's going to be number one, writing acceptance criteria or signing off on acceptance criteria. Again, temperament can be a little bit different based on who you're working with. So if you have people who are really engaged and really available, then maybe having them draft the acceptance criteria because who better than your users to tell you how the tool is supposed to work? Right. Um, so yeah. that's a big part of it. And then along with that, there may be signing off on requirements. Once that acceptance criteria is in there, are user stories and saying, yep, this is worded great. Um, so you either have statuses, tags, another method on that requirement or user story to signify that a user has looked at it and agrees with you and it's you're going in the right direction. Um, and then we would also have them use it for like bug reporting. Right. So you end up getting into the situation in projects where you're getting a ton of emails, you're getting a ton of teams messages, people are just reaching out to you all over the place. And a lot of the time what works well is just showing them here's how you create a bug and giving specific guidance. So what, I'll, what we'll do is help them and say, you know, here's the epic we created for you. Here's the feature. Here's the requirement or user story. Here's where I want you to put your bugs. And then you can give them, you know, some guidance on here's how you enter your bug and then use the crap out of that discussion. That's what I will say is tag people. I think one other common misconception is that people like update their tasks and then think that someone's getting notified that their task that they're assigned is being, you know, told by someone that, hey, this is done. Um, 
And I like to just tell people that's not the case. Just if you have a question for me, you have to tag me. If you want to show me it's done, please tag me in it. So I use the, those tags like crazy as well, because I don't know how to keep track of what other people are doing without them. <laughs> I think um, you hit on a couple of key points and I don't want to like repeat exactly what you said, but I think also, so I just want to reiterate and emphasize identifying who needs access. Um, and so we've always taken the approach of whoever's on your daily standup calls, mm. whoever's in the project, in the weeds, they're there for the heavy conversations. Typically, those are the folks that we consider needing some sort of access to ADO, whether it's to test plans um, or test cases. So when you're actually rolling things out, we have all of our UAT go through um, through ADO. So they have to sign off on those test cases before we'll move to production. Um, and then we also, also obviously use those as production testing. Um, and then, yeah, the bugs, because those are going to be the folks that are using it most heavily, at least up front. And oh, there's so many clients. I'm, I'm still shocked at how much people love email. Yeah. Um, I thought email was dying like four years ago and it still is the, just the king of all communication. Um, and I hate email and, um, I think that you can get things lost really quickly in emails and in inboxes. So, uh, yes, love the tagging feature, love the discussion because you can just keep everything in this one consolidated place. And then even if you don't tag somebody, a future person can go in there and see that discussion if you have an email string going on, like, you know, let's say you have a new consultant on the team and they want to see how things were, you know, the decision that was made or how something was fixed. Um, you lose that if it's in an email versus if it's in ADO. So, um, yeah, I, I wish we could burn email to the ground. Um, I do love like teams and ADO <laughs> coming out and trying to make communication and collaboration a little bit easier. Um, but yeah, so, so especially for those, uh, email, heavy clients, I think it is a lot more difficult to adopt something like ADO because it does take out some of that email communication. Yeah. But on the flip, it takes it out for the better. What I really like about the discussion part that's everywhere in ADO, it's on literally every work item is you can like people can have a sidebar conversation with just the two of them or three of them, whoever taking each other back and forth. And then when they need someone who's going to fix something to get involved, then take them in the end and just say like, here's our final decision. You know, you can read below if you want more details, but, and it just kind of notifies that person to come in and take a look. Um, and I love that. And one thing you said, have you ever used ADO within teams? I was, so just when I was like, oh, Teams and ADO, I was like, I wonder if you can use them together. Of course you can. Of course you can. Um, I haven't used it much, I'll be honest. I think that after this, you and I are both probably going to go and play with it. But I know like yeah. if you're starting a new conversation in a channel, you can bring in ADO boards and you can bring in specific work items. Mm -hmm. And what's nice about that, again, team burn email to the ground right here. Um, but you can like take people on a specific question that you have of like, Hey, can you take a look at this? Um, and maybe just like take a task or a user story or something and have that discussion in teams as well. That's awesome. So all, all of the options for sure. Um, the other thing that I wanted to call out too, have you ran into, like, do you require people to put their hours that they're working on tasks 
Yeah, uh, we do. Yeah, so obviously an estimate, right? So we we also we like to see the estimate against what was actually done as well. So obviously we have time keeping and we actually use project operations for that. Um, so keeping it all in the family. Um, I think it's Stonebridge, you guys use PO2, right? Or some setters version, no? Finance and operations. Oh, you use FNO, yeah. okay. So all in the family. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, so we, so, but we compare then like what we estimated to like what we actually ended up billing um, to make sure that we're also keeping ourselves um, honest. <laughs> like, oh, we think that's going to be a 30 minute change. And then we spend six hours just gathering the requirements. Um, you know, I, th I think it really helps to make sure that people are not over or underestimating their abilities. Cause the last thing you want to do is scare somebody away by quoting them too high or going back with a change request saying, Oh, the desk that's actually going to cost a little bit more than we thought it would. So, um, so yeah, we do, we require to have the estimated in there and then we also put completed, but then we compare it to what's in PO. So are you requiring people to manually put in the estimated hours and manually put in the actual hours? So we put in, we manually do the estimated hours and the actual hours don't really mean anything because we just pull it from PO and compare. Okay. See, because that's one thing that's always been tough at, you know, at Stone Ridge where I work now or at previous companies as well is trying to get people to put their hours on tasks because we have other ways of reporting our hours. Right. So like when you have to report your hours in another timesheet mechanism, trying to get people to then also enter them into ADO is like, wow, I don't have to do all this extra work. And, um, you know, maybe this is a call to the users. If you have a really good idea on how to link hours into ADO from other external sources, let me know, because that would be awesome. It's just it's hard to convince people to do other work, you know. I totally agree. Yeah. And that was one of the things that we looked at. Um, like an integration between ADO and Dynamics, because something has to exist, right? So as FNO and I think BC even has like a time entry, PO, I mean, they they all have it. So at some point, like you've got to make it some sort of consistent where you can tie the user story from ADO into what you're tracking your time in and this other Dynamics tool, and then it all links together. Um, cause we were thinking the same thing with like support tickets. Like we create, we want to be able to estimate and have things tie back and forth, especially if it's like a support ticket from like a bug from a user story, you know, there's gotta be a way to tie all this together. So, um, anyways, long story short, um, I, I agree. I think that that's one of the hard things, especially as a consultant, when you just want to get your head down and start doing your work. Um, or you don't want to estimate your hours until after you're done. So it looks accurate. I've seen that too. Um, yeah. Holding them accountable to that is, is difficult. Now I do it because I like to know, but I'm like you, I'm kind of a control freak and I like to do things, you know, by the recommendation and how we've decided to as a team, but I know not, and I don't want to say that's bad about anybody else, but everyone's different. So Right. It is. And that's just one challenge. I mean, I'll give another call out or call to action to our listeners too. If you have had some success in convincing people to enter their hours and it's working for your team, tell me your secrets, you know, other than just like we mentioned earlier of showing reports and showing places of where that goes. But if you have a lot of tasks, it can be super tedious. And the other thing people will say is, well, it's tough to determine when I moved on from this task to another. 
right? Because sometimes they're all intertwined and they're all related. So it's like, okay, well, now I got to figure out how much I did on this and this and and it can be it can be difficult. Um, so we'd love to hear some ideas on how people have achieved that one as well. Yeah, that is true. The, you know, where do you break it? I think I kind of just divided equally in that situation. Personally, I hate to say it, but um, or I really just try to keep it separate because I do. I track personally what I how what it took to actually complete it versus, you know, but not I know not everyone's like that. So <laughs> It is. It's, it's, it's tough. Um, well, what other challenges with like team adoption have you come across with ADO or is there anything that we haven't talked about that stands out to you? Um, so for me, I would say it's just knowing what the tool can do. Um, having someone that's willing to take the time to investigate, um, additional features, right. Or just coming up with those requirements of how do you want to use it? The worst thing I always hear is when our practice director is like, oh, we need a place to put this. And he's like talking about like a SharePoint list somewhere. And I'm like, why don't we just find somewhere in ADO to put it? Like we're all already in ADO. Let's just find somewhere to keep that information. So I think that that's probably the, the other one is making sure that you keep things consolidated. Because if I'm having to go to Dynamics to see the solution and then ADO for this and then a SharePoint list or into Teams and a spreadsheet, it's, it, I'm going to lose it, like lose track of where I'm supposed to go. Um, just like any user, right. At the end of the day, we're end users of ADO. Um, so I, I would say do as much as you can from a, you know, from a development standpoint within Azure DevOps. And again, cutting down on email and teams communications, keep it all in one place as best as you can. Everything in there, people are going to have an easier time finding what they're looking for. Oh, it's in DevOps. You know, that's great. Um, I think, how about you, Allie, anything that you were thinking? We about? hit on my challenges. I have to say it's like getting people to actually update the stuff in the system is in ADO being the system is always the biggest challenge. Um, you know, cause like I said, people track time in other ways that they have to as well. You kind of move on to different tasks. Um, you know, what has to be done, you read it and then you get on a roll and you just get things done. So there's like that mass task update, but I think the best practice like we've shared throughout this whole conversation is just the what's in it for me. Show your team the reports that you're working on. Explain to them what's happening if they're not updating their tasks as they go. And I think that's the best way to drive people to follow the procedures that you want them to. One other thing that I wanted to call out too is you can upload stuff into ADO. So I know we, we've talked a lot about challenges, but I think another best practice that we can hit on too is um, if you want templated requirements or epics or features or whatever, like you find that you're doing the same thing for every project or similar procedures, you can import things. So if you have like an epic structure that you want, um, or if you were in Excel and you want to migrate over to ADO, you can import. Um, so I think that's another thing to keep in mind as well. I know a lot of the time what we'll do is like import epics and features for certain types of implementations just because they're very consistent. And then of course the requirements may change by organizations or things like that, but there is an opportunity for automation there as well that I think is worth calling out. That's good to know. Yeah. We have the opposite problem where we don't have good adoption. So we export oh. all of ADO yeah. into Excel to then provide. So we have the opposite problem. We're, we're trying to get away from that, but that's good to know that you can import. Cause I think a lot of people, when they move to something like ADO, if they're not moving from a similar 
tool like Jira or something like that, they're probably using Excel. And Ashley, I know we were talking about this a little bit offline as well, but do you use queries? Yes. I'm so glad you brought that up because I still had, like I had it in bold in my notes to talk about queries because I use them um, a lot to find like what you said you were talking about in your example in the last episode that we did about like finding things that might have gotten missed, right? Did I forget to move this? Um, so the, I use queries for things like that to go find um, things, you know, that maybe didn't finish on time or, you know, kind of just like a reporting more so for me, but I could see as a project manager building queries to see, you know, what was feasible and how many story points you can fit and things like that. But I use it, I would say more so if for personal reasons to see if I'm getting stuff done on time. Well, and then the reason I thought about it now is because you called out Excel, like exporting it out to Excel. Well, once you use your queries, you can build charts and other analysis tools within ADO as well. So I don't think there's any point in exporting to Excel. I'm with you. I can understand that, um, you know, what you know is what you know, and you might stick with that. But there's just so many capabilities in there. So you can set up your query. You can set up a view to show, you know, a pie chart of how many requirements you have in process versus which are complete. You can get a summary bar chart on how many hours each person still has open for the current sprint. Like there's just so many capabilities in there. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I've never used a lot of it. Um, I have to admit, but this is all giving me like a list of things that I'm going to now start doing in ADO. Um, but I've definitely built queries, right? And had them and you can save them. Mm -hmm. um, so it's easy to go back and, and kind of see what you have done, especially if you're working on like a multi multi sprint phase of a project. That's how I always think about it too. Like, are you on track to finish your, your sprints and user stories and things like that? So yeah, good. Good uh, call out there, Allie, about the queries. Yeah, just a great way to stay organized. You know, for those of you that haven't been in ADO, think of your queries as an advanced find and dynamics or just some type of advanced search that you can use to find mm -hmm. what you're looking for. Um, again, if you're, you mentioned earlier in our last episode too that um, the sprints doesn't work for you. Well, if it's not working, you may be able to build a query and kind of replicate that. So it shows you the tree view that you're looking for with the columns that you're looking for mm -hmm. or something like that. So it is just a great way to find whatever items you need to look at. Yeah, I agree. I, the queries is definitely a way to make it personalized for mm -hmm. you. Anything else, Allie, that you wanted to mention? I have, I have to say I have been involved in a lot of phone calls on aligning on how to use ADO. Um, so full transparency there. Um, actually at a couple of companies ago that I worked at, they used Jira and same kind of thing. We had to like meet with each other, figure out how we wanted to use it, align on statuses, align on work item types, just kind of think through your experiences and how you're planning on moving things through the sprint and then chat about it as a team, um, and revisit it just because you decide something at the beginning of a project doesn't mean you have to stick to it. You can change things. You can adapt things. Um, oh, that's so true. Yeah. And like, so you're going to learn sure. about your team as you go along. So I agree, Ali. I think that's a great point is, you know, continue to make changes and updates and enhancements to your process. Exactly. If something's not working, revisit it. You know, if, if you did something at a previous company or for a different client, um, that might not work for this one. 
you're going to have different people that you're working with. And so it is just important. Align, realign, revisit with each other throughout the course of your time using EDO. Oh, I thought of something, Ashley. I'll ask you this. Um, how have oh, you... No. I thought it was just going to be a point. No, it's a question. <laughs> um, how have you used ADO in conjunction with uh, like issue reporting tools? So if you have like a portal or a service now or a way that you're taking cases, how do you, have you ever had to try to figure out how to use both of them kind of together? No. So that is one of the benefits I would say that a tool like Jira has is it has a ticketing system built in to it along with it's, um, I would say more user story, you know, um, agile kind of processes. Um, I've never used it. I know it exists. Um, I've always used dynamics for support cases, um, or, or, uh, not service now. What's the other really big one? Zendesk. Uh, Zendesk. Yeah. So always use something like that and it doesn't, integrate with with ADO as far as I know. How about you? Um, so I've been at organizations that use both, never connected. Um, so a lot of the time what happens is, you know, a project goes live and then you switch over to your IT team taking support tickets and then they may manage support tickets through the support ticketing system, whatever it is. Um, yeah. And ADO is then kind of just used for ongoing fixes or configurations. Um, you know, the closest I've gotten, I think is to the point where, yeah, like you can kind of set up integrations with some of the tools, but it's almost like taking a support ticket, then somebody's creating a requirement or a task for it, you know, sizing it out again. Is it just simply a task? Do they need a field moved on a form or are they requesting a larger project? So it is kind of like the, the intake process right? Of how do you take in requests from users? How do you take in issues from users? Um, and then how does that interact with ADO? Because most of your users probably aren't going to be in ADO, right? So there needs to be some right. type of intake and review before you decide whether it gets into ADO for your project team to work on. So we're a little over time. Is there anything else, Ali, you want to share? Um, before we cut me up. off, Ashley, we'll just say you're done. You're done. Talking. <laughs> we might have to do another episode just because we have so much to say. You never I know. know it's so good though. <laughs> I, again, we've said this in every single episode about ADO so far. We love it. It's a great collaboration tool. Um, so I just, I like talking about it and I like getting to use it on projects because I'm always learning new things too and better ways of doing things. Um, so that's about it. So no, I will refrain. I think we got all the big points out anyway. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks to everyone for coming along with us on this journey um, and talking about ADO. would love to hear more about how you guys are using it. Um, and if it's something we should visit it again in the future, we'd love to hear from you guys. Thanks for tuning in to Dynamics Hot Dish, your go-to podcast for all things Dynamics 365 and the Power Platform. If you found this episode helpful, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to follow us on social media for even more insights and updates on the latest trends and best practices in business applications and low-code development. We'll be back soon with another delicious serving of Dynamics and Power Platform goodness. Until then, keep innovating and building great solutions.